Best of Broadway, Week 5 edition. Welcome in, everybody. Hope you had a great week. Welcome to the weekend, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, that you happen to be listening to the sound of my voice. I am your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com, as well as a Senior Titans Contributor. And we have a great show for you today. Now, if you're new here, this is the Best of Broadway. This is the very best that we have to offer from our flagship podcasts. And you can find this Best of show on any of our flagship podcast feeds. It's the very finest content from our network from this week, all boiled down into a single recap show. So whether you just want a pregame review of everything you need to know going into the Titans game this weekend, or maybe you just missed a show this week and you want the best part, it's here for you. On today's episode, three clips from three great shows. First, Zach Lyons and Mike Herndon. They're laying down the law on Mike Vrabel, Titans fans in their fields, and expectations for the Titans on the Football and Other F-Words podcast from this week. And then yours truly, Easton Freeze, has James Foster of A to Z Film Room stop by on the Hot Read podcast to discuss the Titans tape from Indianapolis, as well as who on the Commanders should scare you. And then finally, Justin Mello and Justin Graver have Titans defensive tackle Tier Tart join the Music City Audible, presented by the Pharmacy Nashville, to talk about Tart's development as a player, as well as his big interception against the Colts. Three great clips from three great shows. Hope you enjoy. He's already We've already reached Mike Vrabel should be fired. Well, and yeah, and won't win a Super Bowl. The Titans will never win a Super Bowl because of Mike Vrabel after a win, which is un- utterly, un- it was unheard of. I feel like in my in in I can understand after the losses, especially the Giants' loss, the Bills' loss. You know, I'll give you those. You know, throw out whatever you want, get in your feels. This is after a win. It's kind yeah. of wild. It's ridiculous. And I, I posted the, I looked up the top 10 and I do this from time to time, just out of curiosity to see where guys are stacking up the top 10 active coaches as far as winning percentage in the NFL right now, Brable sixth. And frankly, if he wins the next three games, which, you know, they'll be favored in all three of them. If he wins the next three games, he'll probably jump into fourth. Um, or yeah, yeah, I think fourth. So, um, he's been very, very good. He's been very, very good. And look, He's done it all without an elite quarterback, you know, and Tannehill is fine and he's a above average quarterback, but he's not elite. He's not one of these guys like Mahomes or, you know, Allen or Lamar even that are just carrying teams on their back um, and carrying offenses on their back by themselves. Like clearly there's a lot that has to go into the Titans being functional on offense. And they have been that for most of the last four years under Vrabel. So I, I think it's, insane that people want Rabel fired. Um, it's less crazy when people want Robinson fired, but still like he's absolutely earned the opportunity to like fix it and write the ship a little bit. Even if this season, if the season does go off the rails, like, and, and it might not, it, it might not be a terrible season. It might not be as good a season as what, you know, maybe we've all hoped or, or were, were expecting. Um, but honestly, I don't know. I don't know about you, but my expectations after after the offseason were not that they were going to be a Super Bowl contender. I, I thought they were going to be a they would win the division, probably not win as many games as they did last year. I figured I picked them to go to eleven and six, 
um, and win the division and then probably be bounced in the first round of the playoffs again. That's kind of what my expectations were, and that's still yeah. kind of where my expectations Th- are. That's, that's my expectations. The, the, the thing is, is that I also look at it from the angle of what their expectations are and their expectations as far as what they say publicly – is they are building a Super Bowl team and their Super Bowl window isn't closed or near closed. I don't know if that's living in reality for them or if that's just lip service, but I, I just, you know, those words still ring true in my mind that that's what they've said, but those are not my expectations. My expectations have been that all along. I, I think it's interesting, though, that people think it's so easy to find a head coach. I, I don't know if they're new here, I feel like some of these people were around during, you know, after Fisher got fired for that slate of NFL head coaches that came through here, but it's not easy. And I go back and watch Sunday's games, watch all these terrible, terrible teams making horrible decisions. And I think, you know, I give Mike Vrabel a lot of shit and you should, because there are certain things that he does poorly. And there's certain things that have gotten out of control in this particular season that's kind of derailed the normal Titans kind of game plan. But he's still a better coach than 90% of the league. I am I know that's a high number, but there are very few coaches that I'm going to take over Mike Vrabel on game day and I I mean you you can just as easily get a Matt Rule as you can get a Mike Vrabel in the NFL. In fact, or I was Brandon Staley, you yeah, know. I in fact think that it's a lot harder to get a Mike Vrabel than it is to get a Matt Rule in this league. And and let's not re- forget that all these people are like, well, you know, an offensive-minded head coach, we really, that's what we need. Look at all these offensive-minded head coaches that just flame out year after year. Adam Gase was an offensive-minded head coach. Matt Rule, offensive-minded head coach. The um, You got all kinds of guys that have came through. You Everybody's laughing at Zach Stacy right now after his... Uh, game plan the other day Mike McDaniel jury still out sure it's exciting but he also just got his quarterback killed by choices that he made there's a lot more that goes on a game for a head coach and a lot of these offensive play callers or these former offensive geniuses fall into a trap where they take too much on and screw everything up and they don't live up to the expectations I mean you just look around the league and you'll point through the play the coaches over the years Mike Vrabel is just so far beyond any of these head coaches that it's okay to give him shit and be angry about certain things that he does. But to say that the Titans will never win because of him, they may never win with him, but it's not ever going to be because of Mike Vrabel unless he physically goes out there and starts breaking people's ankles or something like he himself does that. Yeah, I I think... The Titans, Robinson and Vrabel, both are not perfect. There's definitely things that drive me nuts, like the refusal to believe or listen to or care about analytics. Um, you know, the the fact that they want to be so run heavy on first down and, and all that. Those things drive me nuts, and I understand the frustration. But, yeah, at the end of the day, it's about winning football games, and they have done a really good job of that uh, when they've been here. And, yeah, they haven't had the playoff success that everyone would like them to, but you know, I, I think, uh, yeah, somebody was in the, in my mentions not too long ago on Twitter saying, you know, that, oh, Rabel, Rabel should be fired because if you haven't won a Super Bowl after four years, you know, you should be can. I'm like, Andy Reid didn't win a Super yeah. Bowl until like he was in the league for like 10 years or longer. Oh my God. It had to be longer than that. that. Like 20, I think, once he 
count the Eagles here. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's insane to say that after four years, if your head coach hasn't won a Super Bowl, you should fire him and hire another one because, like, how many coaches would be fired? Because if you look, four teams have won Super Bowls in the past four years. Does so 28 teams need to fire their coach right now? Like, that's Andy just Reed, Listen, Andy Reid has been a head coach for 24 years, and he has one Super Bowl championship, and he's just been to the Super Bowl two other times before that. So he's only been NFC champion once, AFC champion once, and Super Bowl champions once. In 24 years, and you know, you know that if it came down to it, that that if you if you had to give Mike Vrabel 24 years, this team, this this fan base couldn't do it. No, it, that's the thing, and everyone would agree that Andy Reid's a great head coach, right? I mean, right. Like everyone would agree. It's really freaking hard to win Super Bowls. That's why what Bill Belichick did was so amazing. And maybe that's what spoiled people to a certain degree is they look at it and they say, well, Belichick was winning it like every year or every other year for, you know, two decades. Why can't my team do that? Look at Mike Tomlin, 16 years in a league, and he's just now in his 16th year. And by the way, one Super Bowl champion in 16 years, one Super Bowl championship in 16 years with the same team. He's just now on the verge of having his possibly first losing season. Yeah. And John Harbaugh is another one. Everyone considers him to be a great coach. He won one. He's won one Super Bowl. He's been head coach of the Ravens for 15 years. Um, one Super Bowl. And I look, and he's kind of like Vrabel in that he took over a team that was already pretty good. Um, but it took him five years to win that Super Bowl. It, it took him five years to to finally break through in 2012, and he did it with with Joe Flacco. You know, so um, I think Harbaugh's a great coach, but one Super Bowl in 15 years, like it, you just aren't going to win the Super Bowl every year. Like, and I know I'm not trying to say like we should lower the bar, or lower expectations, and say, well, you know, winning the, you know, we shouldn't want to try to win the Super Bowl. Of course you want to try to win the Super Bowl, but it's really freaking hard to do. And I think people have to recognize that. Uh, one more, uh, Pete Carroll. How long has Pete Carroll been in the NFL? He had two uh, head coaching jobs before he ended up in Seattle, both of which he failed at miserably. Uh, well, I guess New England, he wasn't totally terrible, but he still got fired. Um, and then he goes to Seattle, has two losing seasons, finally breaks through, has a winning season, then wins the Super Bowl in his fourth year there. Um, 17 years as a head coach. Has been 17 years as a head coach, one Super Bowl. Still one of the top 10 active coaches in winning percentage. Great coach, zero doubt about it. What he's doing with Geno Smith right now is amazing. I thought they were going to be terrible. They actually look pretty good. It, it is super hard. You've got to give Vrabel time. Uh, and I would love to see him with a quarterback that's better than Tannehill at some point and see what he could do. Because if you look at a lot of those coaches, when they did have their success, it was with a transcendent talent at quarterback. Uh, and you paired him up with, uh, you know, it what we mentioned, which, by the way, not on purpose, but all of these guys, defensive coaches, you know, that we just talked about besides Andy Reid. Um, and they've had sustained success in the league for a long time. So. Vrabel can win. I think that I think this team will win a Super Bowl with him at some point as head coach. Uh, but you're gonna have to be a little bit patient. Like it might not is 
It's not going to happen this year. I'll, I'll tell you that. I'm, I'm going to say 0.5% right chance according to football outsiders. Yeah, this it, team it, wins the Super Bowl. This team is not good enough to win the Super Bowl this year unless it, it, they just go on some miracle run. I mean, it would take a miracle run in the playoffs. It would take a miracle run and then signing Odell Beckham and he'd be never – he never missed a beat. Like it has well, to take a little bit more well, than like, that in my mind. Traylon Burks turns into prime TO in the yeah. middle of the season, you know, something like that. But it's, I think it's, uh, it, it's going to take a little bit of time, but Vrabel has certainly earned the right to get there. And, and like, I'm pissed about the way they did clock management in this game at the end of the half and, and Tannehill. Just, not, this has been but, such a, a year that weird. it's non Vrabel mistakes that it's, I feel will so get corrected. Backwards. Right. Yeah. And like these, those are the things that I feel like will get corrected. Even the first half versus the second half thing is backwards. It's all backwards this year for the yeah. Titans for whatever reason. While it's at the same time seeming stunningly familiar, you know, it's, it's right. kind of just one of those weird years. But I think we give it time. Four games can be a super small sample size, uh, at, you know, to make huge sweeping judgments off of. So let's see what the offensive line looks like in, you know, three or four weeks after the bye and, and all that. Let's see what the offense is doing. Let's see what the second halves are looking like. If, if the clock management stuff is still popping up and maybe then we can start talking about a little bit more of that, you know, Hey, is this, this way, you know, it's okay to set your expectations at the Super Bowl for this team. I feel like it may be not this year, but I think that's a respectable bar to clear, right? That's what you want. But you also have to realize how hard it is to achieve that expectation. That is like like super boss level shit to even get to the Super Bowl. You have to have so much go your way. The Bengals were so fucking lucky on their way to the Super Bowl. And Zach Stacy, he wasn't a good head coach before Zach, last uh, year. He wasn't a good is it not? No, Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor. Yeah. Oh, Zach Stacy's that fucking yeah, running, running back. back right yeah. Hey, listen, Zach Taylor wasn't great. A great coach before Joe Burrow. He's not been that great of a coach with Joe Burrow. It's just been Joe Burrow throwing a Justin um, Jamar Chase, you know, going crazy. But the offensive line cells have been fixed. They were so lucky last year. Lamar Jackson went down with the injury. We wouldn't even be talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. Like everything had to go their way. The difference with Vrabel is nothing goes the Titans way. There is nothing that happens that goes the Titans way year after year. It's they're always battling something and he's still pulling out quality wins. Yeah. There's some shitty losses in, in, in all that, but it's so difficult to even make it to the Super Bowl. It's just so hard. And I think you're right. The Patriots just spoiled everybody and has ruined like, how hard it is to get to the Super Bowl for this team. And to be honest, they went out and had to get Wes Welker and Randy Moss and, and draft all these guys and hit on these guys, which they don't do very often. Like they lucked into Gronk and, and at the time, Aaron Hernandez. But if you go back and look at their draft history, it's not very good. No. And so everything, and they got to play in the world's shittiest division for the longest time. Now the Titans are in the world's shittiest division, but in the end, they looked into a six-round pick being a Hall of Fame greatest of all time quarterback. That is just it's just luck at a certain point that you luck into that guy being who he is. Well, and it took Tom Brady forever to become that guy too, right? right. Like obviously he won the uh won the Super Bowl pretty immediately, but that was a Super Bowl he won largely as a passenger on that team. I mean, that was like 
he threw like 18 touchdowns and, and 12 interceptions that season or something like that. Yeah. It was, you know, and, and it wasn't until like he'd been a starter there for like at least four or five years until it became like, okay, Brady is really the driving force behind this team for the longest time. It was the defense. And, and that is, that's something that I think we also have to to consider, especially when you look at like developing a quarterback, which the Titans are, you know, finally trying to do right now. Um, you're going to have to give a guy time. Like it, it just, it, it takes time. It's a James Foster Friday, and that means we are once again joined by James Foster of A to Z Film Room. James, welcome back. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing great. We're, uh, of course, talking about the Titans and Colts from last week to start a little bit of a recap from your perspective. You've, of course, been through all the film this week, and uh, I'm sure you have many thoughts. You know, the topic of the week so far and the season really so far for the Titans is their second half woes. We've done a lot of digging on this in Nashville media this week, and I haven't found a clean answer from anybody. Do you think that there's one primary answer or do you think it's just a bizarre you know, collection of various mistakes from various different places in the second half just kind of across the board? Have you seen anything like this before? I haven't seen, you know, I think I've I've never seen a team collapse in the second half like this. And it, it not be so defined by like, um, you know, fumbling the game away late. You know, mm. I've seen like teams that have struggles with second half collapses and, um, you know, like Bears, Vikings, they kind of stick out. And it's double doink field goals. It's crazy stuff happening at the end of the game where you chargers are the perfect example where you find chargers. a new way to win. Yep. And it's not really like that. It's just uh, the offense just completely shuts down. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as, you know, finding one person to blame, I, I think everybody kind of always wants to do that, but it's almost never the case. Um, you know, if, if I go through and look at the, the inefficient, so plays with negative EPA from the second half offensive and looking at who I negatively graded for those plays, we've got, uh, Nicholas Petit Friere, mm-hmm. uh, we've got Derek Henry, Derrick Henry, uh, Dontrell Hilliard, um, Dennis Daly, Dennis Daly, Aaron Brewer. Aaron Brewer had a bunch of, you know, uh, blown run blocks in this game. And so, you know, there's there's certain things that I think Todd Downing definitely deserves blame for. I think we I think we might have talked about this last week, but like we did a running, bit, yeah. Uh, running a naked keeper right at Dennis Daly. Yeah. That, puts him in a bad situation and unsurprisingly he did not come through. So, you know, that's, that's the sort of thing where I guess everybody just has to balance it in their own head as far as who do you put more blame on for that. But um, yeah, I think it's really been a collective effort. They had another collection of random backups in the game for the defense. The Titans did last week. You had Adams, um, Mitchell, Edwards, Cole, those are the guys that come to mind from last week. It's seemingly a different group each week. 
But the difference in the Colts game was that none of them really got exposed in any big way. Did you see anything on the tape from Shane Bowen's perspective? You know, did Bowen scheme the defense up in a way that that set them up for success? Or do you think it was just a collection of pretty solid individual performances? You know, as opposed to the Las Vegas game where they ran a ton of bracket coverage and uh, you know, two man combo zone coverage towards Devonte Adams side. You can tell in this game that they really do not think that the Colts have a number one receiving threat that they, mm-hmm. um, that they need to take away and that they can't, you know, afford to have someone in man coverage on them. They ran a lot of cover three and cover one, probably their most, uh, the most of the season so far. Um, I thought that Dylan Cole flashed uh, on the broadcast as having a nice game after watching the film, it was a lot of just kind of cleanup work that other people were really actually, you know, the ones actually stopping the running backs momentum. And he was right. kind of coming in. And then there were a lot of, he got exposed on a lot of bad tackling angles and just kind of not having that short area quickness to mirror a juke move. So I, I watched that film and I know he technically had a good game, but I'm still thinking of him as someone that I want to get off the field, honestly. Right. Yeah, you know, another element of this team that I find troubling and I know that you find troubling is just the lack of team speed. It's tremendous. It's painfully obvious. On offense, no racing math, no trailing Burks means that they're really limited in their downfield capabilities. And then on defense, whenever they don't have Bud Dupree or Ola Daney in there, it means that there's very little speed containing the edges of the pocket. How necessary do you think team speed is to success in today's NFL? And do you think that the Titans just fundamentally disagree that they need any? You know, I don't think that, I don't think speed is, is really as important as power when it comes to uh pass rush, specifically the Titans pass rush, because, you know, it's a lot of four man rushes. And so there's, you know, someone's going to get double teamed. And so, you want a bunch of people that can kind of just work their way, even if they're not beating the double team, work their way and still push the pocket a little bit. You're running a lot of stunts as the first man on the stunt. Uh, you know, you need to kind of be able to, you need to have long arms. Like, you know, think of Danico Autry. You can kind of just come in and like sweep, uh, sweep away two blockers. And I don't know. I, I just, I really don't see, um, having one of like I don't I don't see someone like Ola or um you know anyone that's kind of this budget Harold Landry type of skill set just a pure speed rusher you know I I don't really see them as a necessity in the Titans defense and I don't see many people like that winning in the NFL unless there's someone that can do it at a you know elite elite level like Von Miller and like Hassan Reddick has been this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Personally, I don't really think Ola makes a huge difference to the pass rush. Okay. How about the offensive side of the ball though? With, with a lack of team speed. Oh, were you asking me about the offense? Yeah. But both sides of the ball, just the team speed okay. all around for this. Yeah, team. They don't, they don't really have any. Yeah. I think that um, I think without Traylon, that's absolutely true. I mean, and racy you know, being, I mean, those are the only two options they really have in terms of stretching yeah, the field vertically. And, you know, racy, I think until he proves that he can do more than just catch the Khalif Raymond routes. Right. Yeah. You know, 
there's there's a difference between a deep threat as someone knowing like okay we need to have a safety accounting for this guy right and a deep threat that's also a do-it-all receiver you know right and there's scotty miller and then there's tyreek hill they're not they're not the same right um and you know the the titans are not really a team that stretches the field vertically even when they had the speed to do it i mean i guess they tried they, they didn't really do it effectively right um, but yeah i mean i think that i think Traylon burks has that kind of speed that you're talking about and obviously speed and and every position is important when you start to get down to guys like cody hollister i guess you know i see both sides of that debate because i do see the effects of blown blocks in the run game um and can understand wanting to have receivers that you can trust to you know hold up there Um, right but obviously just not very dynamic as a pass catcher so looking ahead to Washington, this has to be the most boring game on the Titans schedule this year. It's going to be the the most corner TV game in the league for anybody that's not a Washington or Tennessee fan. But of course, we have to watch it and the Titans need to win this game. What, if anything, do the commanders do well and, and what do they do particularly poorly that you've seen on tape? Well, the front four is really good, even without Chase Young. I mean, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, um, and Jonathan Allen is someone who's, yeah. you know, right up there in Jeffrey Simmons' kind of tier of, of um, defensive linemen. Um, Jamin Davis, the linebacker, first-round pick from last year, had an awful year, awful rookie season. I remember, I think Mike Renner said that, you know, they grade each – player on each play on like negative two to two um in increments of 0.5 and he said Jamin Davis didn't have a single play graded above 0.5 as a rookie which is like insane to do it just means Mm. you're literally doing nothing good yeah um but watching him this year I mean you can see the first round pick and I mean you know he's making plays um in the backfield doing a good job engaging with blocks the secondary personnel wise is okay they just and they've been this way since last year they're just it's miscommunication central uh Mm. and the washington secondary so you know if if you want like a if you want a a bold prediction i would say that the titans have a, a 40 plus yard passing touchdown in this game wow okay well on the offensive side of the ball is there anything of note there that's particularly good or bad for this team um, yeah, Carson Wentz sucks. Um, <laughs> That's Terry a McLaurin, softball question. Terry McLaurin is really good. Jahan Dotson has had flashes, although he does rank 10th out of 10 qualifying rookie receivers in yards per route run. So that's mm. an interesting stat. Um, we talked about a lot about him when, when you were co-hosting this show in the spring and we weren't that high on him, but he's I mean, just in terms of production, he's been one of the better rookie receivers so far. Yeah, no, I mean, I the the ball skills and just the ability to catch outside of his frame, uh, it looks like it's absolutely translating. And so, um, you know, the the yards per route run that like regardless of that, he's he's outperforming my expectations as a rookie. Right. Um, and he's someone that uh, you want to talk about contested catches. Uh, mm-hmm. If Terrence Mitchell is back there. <laughs> Dude is probably giving up a 100% contested catch rate over his <laughs> career. So uh, yeah, it's going to yeah. be light work for Jahan Dotson. How about that offensive line? Sam Cosme, right tackle, uh, second-year player, uh-huh. is a mauler in the run game. Um, let's see. 
Charles Leno at left tackle actually had a really good game against Micah Parsons. Uh, oh, wow. Mon- Monday night, I believe it was. I was watching the Cowboys film last night, and um, yeah, Micah Parsons, that was, that's the first game I've seen him just almost do nothing as a pass rusher. Um, Interesting. And it was mostly thanks to Charles Leno. Um, looking at their offensive line, Andrew Norwell, uh, like solid veteran from from Jacksonville. Don't haven't watched him. Nick Martin, don't know much about him. And Trey Turner, I don't know much about him. So interior guys, potentially, I think Nick Martin's like a backup. They might be onto their second or third center. So interior could be a um, a weak spot for them, just based on the fact that I haven't watched any of them. So this Titans, uh, their coaching staff has clearly the last couple of weeks keyed in on a couple of guys on each of their opponents that has scared them, right? They, in the Raiders game, were cl- clearly focused on shutting down Darren Waller, shutting down Devonte Adams against the Colts, Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor, not going to let them beat us. Who in this game scares you that like that? If you're one of the Titans coaches, who are you circling on the whiteboard this week? It's whichever receiver Washington decides to line up on the right side. Um, you know, op, <laughs> yeah. op, being completely honest, because they have two number ones, you know, number one ish. I guess Jahan Dotson, we can as- assume is a number one. But well, Dotson's know, probably not going to go, but they'll have Curtis Samuel out there. Oh, for real? See, here's the yeah. thing. I just, I, I spend, I like watch so much football that I just never, I never I know who's in and out each week. Who's injured? Like this happens. Yeah, to he's me got a hamstring. He's probably not going to go. So it's going to be, it's going to be uh, Scary Terry and Curtis Samuel back there. And uh, Diami Brown. Diami Brown, yeah. The thing is, though, like, does it matter against, against Terrence Mitchell? I mean, yeah, I, like, I don't I'm, think I'm not even does. really kidding because it's like Terrence Mitchell. There are no Mac Collins. Not shown the ability to stop anyone. So, no. you know, I mean, Diami Brown is he got uh, he got kind of trashed by uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. He was the guy that he used as the example of uh, the player looking that was across. Ahead the, of uh huh. Um, but his I mean, breakout I, game right here. He's a he's a solid deep threat though, and so you know, uh, th- I would say the spot opposite of Terry McLaurin. I would be interested to see if they have Christian Fulton shadow him, or if they end up playing uh, Washington kind of similar to how they did uh, Vegas. You know, a team that just has that one big offensive threat. We the one. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Got one final guest. Tierre Tart joins the show now. We'll get right into it, Tierra. What, like people haven't stopped talking about the interception, and for good reason, man. What an incredible play that was on the ball. Uh, we're actually going to pull up a clip on this a little bit later. But are you able to walk us through the play? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, um, it was like a, a longer distance. Uh, it was like third and third and eight or nine plus. Um, as soon as the ball snapped, I ran out the slide. So uh, it's Jeff had the one on one, and I was like. Shit, you want to slide to me? <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> I mean, so Jeff got a he, he beat he beat his man inside. He got his hand in front of his, and the quarterback threw the ball out pretty low. And I just threw my hand up, and uh, you know I wound up batting it. Then I'm there, and I'm like, oh shit! I said I just got to 
dropped this motherfucker. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> then I wound up catching it, and I was just trying to lay on my back. I thought I was laying on my back, but the whole time I was like, shoulder adrenaline was pumping. So yeah, it was a great play for the team. Yeah, that was a huge play. And we know you played basketball at uh, West Philadelphia High School. People don't realize your football coach actually saw you on the ball court, and that's how you ended up playing football. He said, hey, we got to get this guy out on the on the field. Um, did you feel like you were just like out there waiting for a rebound to come down while the ball was in the air? <laughs> uh, I mean, there's some similarities in there. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess yeah, basketball does contribute to a lot to how I – I guess how I played, definitely be a bigger guy. Um, but yeah, there's some similarities there. <laughs> Showing a lot of growth as a pass rusher as well this year, Tier. You know, I, th- I think you've had, you've added some juice um, in that area. How did that sort of come about? What did you work on in the off season, and how much of that do you give some credit to Coach T? I mean, I give all of it to Coach T. Uh, I mean, it started definitely at the beginning of the off season. I-, I wanted to become a better pass rusher, and he wanted me to become a better pass rusher. And the team wanted me to be, to be um, they knew I had the ability to pass rush. I just had to recognize when when were the opportunities to to pass rush. And I think the biggest thing was uh, just going um, more into like understanding, understanding um, down and distance formations and um, and then just feel in a recognition of like of, um, of certain uh, formations. And so they give me keys to let me know when I'm supposed to go and go out there and rush. So I think that was, those are definitely a lot that took a, a lot to go in. There was a lot that went into it as far as me developing as a pass rusher. And all of it goes to Coach T because he sat in there and, um, and Clint, you know, Clint is our uh, D-line assistant too. He's in the room with us. You know, we sat in there for uh, a large amount of time throughout offseason just reviewing and film and understanding formation. So. Yeah, of course. And, um, switching over from pass rush to run defense, uh, the Titans defense this past week held Jonathan Taylor to 2.1 yards per carry. I believe that was a career low for him. Uh, you guys were bottling him up all day, and that felt more like the Titans run defense that we knew from last year after a little bit of struggles to start this season. Uh, was that a focus to improve the run defense heading into this I game? Mean, I, I feel like it's always uh, – we pride ourselves on stopping the run here. And, um, you know, it's always a huge focus every week going into every game on uh, stopping around, especially when they got a, such a dynamic back like Taylor, though. But uh, as far as like all like the front seven, we we, pre- we very much pride ourselves on, on stopping the run. Tierra, man, we've really appreciated your time today, man. Before we let you go, we briefly talked about your, you know, your background playing basketball in high school as, as really an excellent player on the court. If you were putting together a starting five, just Titans teammates, man, and you, we're putting you on the spot a little bit. You can include yourself, of course. We expect you to. Uh, what does that starting five look like? And you gotta, you gotta put guys in certain positions, man. We, we want to know where everyone's playing. I got, I got to go with my, um, my boy Ben Jones at, at, at center. He's, he's gonna do all the dirty work. <laughs> he gonna go out there and get, get, get me five fouls with, uh, <laughs> with like two, three rebounds. But he, he's gonna make sure the job is done. <laughs> um, uh, I gotta go with my. Um, my boy Aaron, and that's another offensive lineman. My boy Brewer, he's a hell of a uh, hell of a player. Um, he's extremely athletic to be um, a guard. And, uh, and my boy Chris Jackson, you know, is a DB. He out there. I, I, we need a point guard, so he's a point guard. So I got Ben at center. I got Brewer at the three. I'm at the four. Uh, who's gonna be my two guard? Uh, who can shoot? Uh, who can shoot? Uh, 
I guess you, you could put Derek at the two guard. He got a really nice jump shot for what okay. I've seen on him. <laughs> That'd okay. be my lineup. It, it, it's funny you said it. You're going to need a six man because Ben Jones is going to foul out in the second quarter. <laughs> uh, ben is going to foul out in the second quarter on me. Uh, who, I, uh, I haven't really seen any other people play but uh, or shoot around, but um, I could go Kevin Byer. Kevin Byer is a, is a great player, and he's a lefty. Yeah, he got a, he got a, he got a nice little jump shot with that lefty. So definitely KB. Nice. Sound, sounds like a hell of a lineup. Look, Tierra, we really appreciate your time today, man. Congratulations again on, on the play. It was a hell of a play, man. A heck of an athletic play. And uh, best of luck this weekend against the Commanders. Oh, man, I appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks so much. Take care now. All right. Thanks again to Tierra Tart. That was excellent. Justin, I'm a huge fan of Tierra Tart. I am as well, man. I was so thrilled he was able to join the show this week. It was really unplanned. I won't give the listeners all the background, but... It just kind of came out of nowhere and I'm super glad to have Tier on the show. I was, you know, chopping it up with a couple of his people and uh, just so happened we're able to get Tier on the show. So that was awesome. Really appreciate his time. That is going to do it for the best of Broadway week five edition. Hey, if you enjoy any of our shows at Broadway sports media, Please share with your friends and family. Really helpful to us. Make sure to check out all of our shows in their full form next week, following the Titans game on Sunday, starting bright and early on Monday morning with a new episode of the Hot Read Podcast hosted by yours truly. Until then, enjoy your weekend. We'll see you next week.